back to the B2B Marketing Podcast. My name is Lucy Gilman. I'm the Junior Copywriter at B2B Marketing. And I'm joined today by Radix's Creative Director, David Maguire. And in this week's episode, we're going to talk about how B2B marketers can create standout content in 2022. So David, for people who aren't familiar with you, would you mind quickly introducing yourself and your role at Radix? Sure. What you mean? <laughs> you mean there are people in the B two B world that aren't <laughs> bored with me already? Um, I'm yeah. So I'm creative director at Radix. We're a B two B technology writing agency. So uh, I, I work with a, a dozen copywriters um, writing content for some of the biggest tech brands all over the world um, on a, on a regular basis. Could be everything, everything from ABM content and emails to blog posts, white papers, video scripts, all of that kind of stuff. Okay, um, amazing. So to crack on with the podcast, um, as we're entering the new year, it seems like an appropriate time to ask, how can marketers approach planning their content strategy? You know, should they structure around key events or should should they go down different routes? Sure. Honestly, I think with difficulty is the the answer this year. Um, I mean... I'm not sure when this will be published, but but literally as as we're recording, um, the prime minister is standing up in parliament saying, who knows what, probably that he thinks the end of COVID is nigh, you know, but 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 we don't know, you know, um, the, the back to office dates have been have been knocked back so often. Um, and when you're creating the, you know, the content, really, we don't know what the year will hold. We don't know where the audience will be, what their workplace will look like, how they feel about anything, um, or, you know, what will be live events, what will be hybrid events. There are some tentative plans, but everything can change. And so really, when you're planning your content for this year, you can take it one of two ways. You can either go with a safe bets that will work for you pretty well whatever happens you know um you know the, the content that you, that, that you know will reach people if they're not in the office and that kind of thing or you can design your plan in a way that builds in some flexibility so that you can respond to things at short notice those are probably you know some combination of those two approaches people will probably be building into their content plans for the year i'd have thought with so much uncertainty about yeah so safe and flexible is kind of the name of the game when it comes to content planning sure yeah yeah. okay cool i think that leads us really nicely into talking about what form of content we should kind of be going for in b2b and I know it sounds very cliche, but there's been lots of talks that, you know, B2B and B2C are ultimately people to people and content Mm -hmm. has to be more human and more personalized. You know, ABM is definitely having its moment in the sun as well. Um, So what are some of the things that we should look at when we're trying to incorporate this into content? Sure. And I I, I think that for me, it's always the main thing is having the audience, the reader or whatever in, in mind, you know, the fact that it's a human being that's receiving stuff 
um, is really you know important. There's a difference between being personal and being personalized. You can personalize something and it still sound and feel completely robotic, um, and and vice versa. Um, and I, that doesn't mean that your content needs to be super touchy feely. Doesn't need to be super emotional. I mean, it can be. It can be really emotional because work is an emotional experience for um for a lot of us but you know if it whether it's um uh, whether that's appropriate for your audience and, and your brand is is for uh is is for you know the listener to decide really but i think the the, the most important thing is to acknowledge that there are people on the on the receiving end because a lot of the time if you are building a content plan or a content strategy to fit a nurture flow in in a piece of martech and a mach- you know you're feeding a machine it becomes really easy to be thinking about the asset that goes in this stage of the flow and we link this to that to that to that rather than to think who's going to receive this thing and what are they going to feel and what are they going to think about it um and uh Maureen Blanford is uh talking a lot about if you like the content between the content like interstitial content so like the little follow-up emails that you get when you've downloaded an ebook and the thank you for registering for this webinar email you know because those things people just tend to feed the machine rather than think about the person and a lot of the bit where you build that rapport with your audience is that what Maureen calls interstitial content um and uh yeah i'm a, a big believer that you know just accepting that a human will 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 read it which is actually quite easy to forget i think it is really easy to forget i spoke with barbara stewart who is our propolis cx hive expert and she expressed yeah, some frustration yeah she's amazing um how i feel like organizations tend to forget that you know you're still a person no matter if you're in the office or not sure yeah, which is really interesting. Absolutely. And, you know, particularly now, because, you know, you can be at work or at home or working at home or working remotely or working in a in a hybrid way. You can be receiving a hundred Slack messages a minute and suddenly the content's got to come through there. You can be really, really energized and thriving at home. You can be hating it and feeling isolated. You can be you know, very enthusiastic, you could be phoning it in, but the dynamic is changing and it's changing all the time. And there's not one um, right answer now. You know, <laughs> your, your audience could could incorporate all of those things at the moment. Okay. As a follow-up question onto that, do you think that this, you know, I know you said there's not one approach, mm-hmm. but do you think that humanized content is kind of the definition for what good content looks like in 2022, you know, what are the dangers of not taking this sort of personalized approach? Yeah. Um, again, I think there's a difference between personalizing something and humanizing something. Um, so I think, so I think that it is, it is different. Um, yeah. I mean, I think what good content looks like is it, what it, what it's always look like really you know in in, in uh, uh, radix where this like hierarchy of, of like five things that every piece of b2b content needs to have you know it needs to be accurate uh it needs to be clear 
it needs to be authoritative. It needs to show empathy and be about something the audience really cares about. And it needs to be, you know, interesting and different and that kind of thing. And I, and I think all of those things are are still true. But in particular at the moment, having empathy for your audience and and having something that, that will really stand out is really important while people are, I think, kind of very distracted. And and that's the point. You asked about the, the danger if you don't do this stuff and don't do it well. Well, the danger is people will just ignore it. It will just get lost in the noise because I think that with the hybrid working and everything else, there is, you know, more noise to compete with, both in terms of your competitors' messaging, but also just the stuff that's happening, you know, in the in the world. You know, maybe people's kids' schools have closed, or maybe they're, you know, they're, they're, they're looking at prime minister's questions, or, you know, or, you know, they're talking to their colleagues and trying to work out if their colleagues are all right or not. There's just so much noise. So you've got to be really careful about something because it about getting it right because it's really e- easier than ever to ignore your content at the minute. To expand a bit more on that, I definitely agree. It's you know seems like the pressure's up a bit for B two B content to step up and stand mm-hmm. out. And you've done a blog for us where you talk about the importance for humor, and that definitely seems to be a trend in content this year. You know how can marketing get that tone right and make sure? they're not producing something that's, for lack of a better word, corny. Sure. Uh, I mean, I think that um, humour is... I think the trend is that people are talking about humour. What I don't actually see is a lot of very humorous content in the last couple of years. Um, You obviously haven't read B2B marketing content. (laughs) (laughs) I say not a lot, not not any. Uh, But, um, you know, there there, have been some good things around um you know like a, a year or two you know apple uh, did that thing about this whole working from home thing with with, with their b2b content and that that was really cool um and i think partly um it's got to be appropriate like humor is not for every brand not everybody you know not everybody wants their bank or their lawyer to be funny um so it needs to be appropriate and it can't come out of nowhere you know it needs to be a brand that you feel kind of warm and friendly with anyway actually I mean, we at radix we did a whole a whole podcast on this so i can give you a, a a link to it and we did a whole interview with uh liana patch who's a comedian and a copywriter <laughs> so got all chapter and verse from her on this but um but what she was saying was that you know, you you can kind of warm up first by warming up your voice and tone and then applying it in areas that feel more personal anyway. So things like, you know, email, where it's already there's an aspect of human to human connection to it because you're sending it right to someone's inbox. It's got their name on it. So it's easier to um, to, to, to say something that's, you know, that's maybe... Uh, you know, a little bit warmer, a little bit more humorous in there. The other stuff to bear in mind is their context. So, um, you know, it's easier to be humorous when the audience, when you're telling the audience something that they're happy about, than it is something that they are angry or worried about. 
for example. So you've got to pick your moment. And the, the moment is defined by what your audience is feeling at that moment. Um, and, and I think that the the other thing, of course, is be aware of what you are making fun of. Don't make fun of your reader. They should never be, your audience should never be the butt of the joke, you know. Um, but there's plenty of stuff you can joke about. The first thing is, you know, if if you have a brand that's confident enough to get away with it, a bit of self-deprecating humour goes goes a long way uh, and shows confidence and shows that you have um, the uh, self-awareness to do that. But then the other thing you can do that I think is is often a really safe bet is observational humour. You know, something where you and your audience are side by side looking at something ridiculous either that's happening in the world or that is happening in the workplace in your sector uh, and and joking about the reality and and that's the thing where i think that there's the a big seam of gold that can be mined there because workplaces are inherently ridiculous and at the moment and i think the thing that the apple stuff did well is at the moment with the hybrid working and the working from home thing, they're more ridiculous than they've ever been. Now, people were quite, I think rightly, with the pandemic, you know, a lot of people have been affected by it. A lot of people have lost loved ones. That's not a joking matter. And you've got to be careful, you know, that you're not joking at something inappropriate. But still, the reality that were people looking around them working in their slippers or, you know, they're trying to they're trying to do some work and their kids are smearing their laptop with peanut butter or whatever. Um, You know, there is ridiculous stuff going on. And being real about that is an opportunity for you and your audience first to, to show that you and they have something in common, that you have a common enemy. You know, but also that um, to show how well you as a vendor understand their world as a customer. Um, and, and, and when you get it right, that's the real magic. And I, I think there's real potential for that this year. But it takes people to be a bit bolder than they maybe have been over the last couple of years. Amazing. I think in a way it's almost to return back to the idea of B2B and B2C being people to people, it's almost like organizations, organizations and your customers, you're both people at the end of the day. And you both experience yeah. the same things. And it's just about getting that tone right. Yeah, they, they 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 do. I think that where it goes wrong sometimes is the organization, you know, particularly, you know, marketers or people with agency, mm-hmm. you know, and that that kind of thing can feel that they are the audience yeah. and they can you know, which is why you get lots of jokes. You know, like on TV, you see lots of adverts about the reality of making adverts. Yeah. You know, which is like, you know, you're talking to yourself, bearing in mind that you are not the audience. So, it, so there is still an em- there's still a step where you have to show empathy to talk about what they care about or joke about what they find ridiculous, not what necessarily you find ridiculous. Yeah, working on the same page. Sure. I guess to expand a bit more on that, you know, in the age of hybrid working, as we spoke about before, do you think it's clear that digital dominates in 2022? And I don't think that's going away anytime soon. And to compete in this digital world, what do you think 
you know, marketers can do to stand out where there's so much content mm. all of the time. It seems like there's a really, like, there's a boom of, you know, just oh, yeah. increasing material. Absolutely there is. Um, I think that the, the main thing for me is to have a big idea and to say it really simply because, you know, the noise to signal ratio, as you've said, is really, you know, out of whack. Um, it's very easy where everyone's distracted to miss something, to forget something, if the message is too complicated, you know, boil it down to what they really, really need to know and say that one thing in a way that is unusual enough that they won't forget it. I think that that's the, that's the thing. Um, it's, you know, it's back to, you know, what the advertising, you know, the madmen of the 50s and 60s used to call the big idea. And I think having a big idea to hang your content off will make it more memorable. But it needs to be, everyone's distracted, so it needs to be super clear, super simple. You can't have very long, complicated copy now. You know, it need, you know I mean, I mean the, 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 the word count could be long, but not like long 40 word sentences and all of that stuff that you see in B2B. Like, you know, let's tell people what they need to know, make it easy for them. Yeah. Stripping back to basics. Sure. Albeit with a Don Draper esque finesse. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Get a, you know, get, pour yourself an old fashioned and, and oh, crack yeah. on. Two hour lunches. I reckon we can bring them back. <laughs> um, okay. Amazing. And, you know, on the subject of, you know, creating standout content in a digital world. Do you think there's anything that B2B can learn from B2C when it comes to getting it right? You know, definitely prefer emails from ASOS, which you say, you know, much clearer and to the point and funnier than I mm. do from an agency. Yeah. I mean, I think that it is that bit. I think, that, you know, the, the, the benefit that, that B2C has is that, you know, they're already aware that they're talking to a person and not a company. Yeah. You know, you say, you know, who's your audience? You know, and, and someone will say, oh, they're automotive companies or whatever. And it's like, no, a company is not an audience. A company has no ability to read something or to watch a video or whatever. People within those companies do, do that thing. So I think they have a head start with that. But I think at the moment, the stuff that I'm seeing that I find really inspiring isn't necessarily stuff that you would call B2C because it's not coming out of a... Sometimes it's coming out of a business, but sometimes it's not. But there's so much stuff around that's just create you know, being created that's really interesting and you can go oh what can i learn from that so you know like i'm really inspired by like there's a podcast called everything is alive where they interview inanimate objects and it's just mind-blowingly beautiful or there's stuff where like there's a Online, there's people online stream their Dungeons and Dragons game every week. There's this thing, I don't know if you're aware of it, it's called Critical Role. And, you know, it's a bunch of voice actors playing Dungeons and Dragons for four hours. And millions and millions of people, like, are so devoted to it. You know, and actually, what can you learn from that? You know, around building a community, around having recognisable characters around having you know catchphrases or whatever making people actually engage and care on a human level you know whether you'd call that b to c i i don't know but there's just so much stuff 
out there at the moment that's really inspiring you know i guess as well that stems from a place of authenticity rather than anything else like to go back to humor it's not just chucking in a piece of humor because you think it will you know appeal to your Mm. audience it's doing something that feels right and sits well with you as an organization yeah and and it's having recognizable people with recognizable voices i think some as well amazing um and to kind of zoom out a bit what do you Mm -hmm. think are some of the major challenges facing content teams this year and you know are there increasing demands to bring your content to new heights in 2022 yeah i mean yeah i mean the bar always gets higher (laughs) Um, so that's always you know and, and 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 it's always more difficult I mean, I think there are there are things that we've mentioned. So there's all the distraction. There's all the there's all the noise. There's also the fact that that empathy piece and understanding what your audience cares about is harder than it's ever been because a lot of them are not in the office. Like if you think about your colleagues, some of whom you won't have seen probably very much in the last year, two years. Um, you know, if you ask, you know, if you're in the office with someone, you know kind of how they're doing. You know if they're having a good day, if they're having a bad day, what they care about, what they've they keep talking about, what they're obsessed by. You know, um, and they don't have that. And it's kind of the same for your customers. Your customers are out there and understanding what they care about at the moment and how they're feeling, so that you can write and create something that resonates is really hard. There's also a practical thing, which, as you said, there's been a real boom time for content at the moment. So um, copywriting capacity with good, experienced people that know a certain sector is really hard to get at the moment. So you maybe need to build in longer lead times um, or, you know, look at um, at, at other ways at at getting your... um, your copy done um you know just good writing is you know under in real demand so so that's something that people have to look out for as well yeah amazing and to zoom out furthermore to mm-hmm. end on a final question do you have sure. any predictions for the future of b2b content for this year? <laughs> predict the future i don't i don't know what the covid rules will say this afternoon Um, apart apart from they're going to distract people by saying it's all over and please forget about the parties anyway um so i mean predictions are, are often futile but i can tell you kind of what i um what i hope for so i think that um people that can do big clear simple interesting ideas uh, will thrive companies that do that um, companies that actually acknowledge the human receiving their stuff all the way through both in terms of the big content assets and the little bits of content between the content um, that can really kind of craft a nice experience all the way through um, you know will benefit from having kind of good conversion rates and keeping that engagement when people are really distracted um, and finally, I, I, I predict or I hope that somebody this year does something really cool by reacting really quickly um, when stuff changes. So maybe when everyone goes back to the office or when everyone goes back into lockdown or something changes, 
you know, someone will have a cool idea in their back pocket. Because imagine going into the office and on the day that you arrive, somebody sends you something cool in the mail and you haven't had something cool in the mail forever. You know, a welcome back to the office pack from a vendor that wants to work from you or something like that. Or if we all go back into lockdown and everyone's like, oh, my God, what does this mean? Here's a thing kind of going, all right, what's going to happen now? Here's a webinar. You know, it's like timing, you know, something cool and something that's fast, something that just captures the moment in a really unexpected way. Uh, while other people are still looking, you know, the other marketers are still looking around going, oh, God, what do we do now? We need to have a meeting. You know, ah, yeah, no, we had our thing planned for what if this happened? And off it went, you know, something like that could end up really standing out and being really effective, you know, just like I remember the first emails that I got sent. and I was like, oh, wow, an email. And now I've, and now I don't even I've got 100,000 emails I've never read. But somebody writes me a letter. I'm like, wow, you know, because it's that rarity and being the first mover when something changes will be really interesting. But I'll have to, but it'll have to be good. It can't just be fast. It's got to be good. And that's the trick. So get planning and get thinking outside the box. Sure. Build a little bit of flexibility. Build a couple, have a couple of cool ideas sitting in your back pocket. So if this happens, we'll do that. And if that happens, we'll do this. Someone that's got inspiration and not just gone, oh, well, we can't do that because this. But someone that's gone, we can't do this yet. But um, the time will eventually be right. And then we will do this cool thing. Amazing. Really nice. Right. I think that brings us to the end of our episode. So thank you for taking the time to speak with me and thank you to our listeners for listening. Um, And if you want to listen to any more episodes, head to www.b2bmarketing.net forward slash podcast. Thank you, David. Thanks for having me.